Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And today's topic is using problems to drive focus. So here's the scenario. Most leaders take pride in their problem-solving abilities. As soon as we hear a problem, we jump on it. Not sure every time we are looking whether it is the right problem for the moment that we should focus on, or is it something which has been thought through properly before we can do much with it? Do we have even the bandwidth to deal with it? But we jump in because that's who we are. We are problem solvers. So if we are to do this, imagine as a leader, and then everyone else follows suit in our organization, that is the IT organization, we will never be able to really do the right things and we'll be all over. And if this happens at the organization level, God bless us. Not sure what it'll result in, which will be chaos. So what do we do about it? What do we do with the problems that come our way, the ones which we have in hand and we the one we anticipate? We'd like to discuss this and see how it can be, this whole whole discipline of problem solving can be improved or transformed so that it results in getting the problem solved properly, but at the same time drive organizational focus. To discuss this, I have two very experienced executives, Tarek Tomes, Commissioner and CIO for the state of Minnesota. Hey, Tarek, how are you? Not too bad, Sandra. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. The pleasure is mine. And we have Maurice Farrell, who's the Assistant Dean and CIO, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill School of Government. Hey, Maurice, how's life? Hey, San John. Thank you for having us and super excited to be having this conversation today. Awesome. So, Tarek, first question. If we were to set the stage and we have a lot of things going on at any given time today, right? Most interesting times that at least I saw in my lifetime. If so much flux is going on, what are we doing to solve problems and which are at hand, but not lose sight of the organizational focus? You know, I, it's, a, it's a really great question. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic has really you know, caused many organizations to reflect on how can you quickly pivot to a different set of problems while still maintaining that operational focus on larger objectives. In the state of Minnesota, we are guided by the governor's one Minnesota plan, which is a broad plan uh, related or centered around five broad goal areas, uh, equity and inclusion, thriving communities, providing the, the best opportunities for children, uh, the environment, and, and really being financially sound and, and data-driven. And I think when something like COVID-19 hits and you have the need to really reprioritize what you're doing, I think the organizational values that you have still have to be the lens that you look through. I think the definition of where do we start and how do we focus and, and how do we prioritize that work, we have to also center on the people that we are looking to solve problems for. Frequently, when we have 
that problem statement, it may actually just be a symptom. It may actually not be the root of the problem. And, and I think making sure that you're really in tune and engaged with your stakeholders, make, making sure that you're really in tune with the people that you're solving problems for to really be, you know, person centered with the problems that you're trying to solve and, and really ideating and involving and, and inviting a lot of people into that ideation sphere is incredibly, incredibly important. So Maurice, you must be busy with whatever you're doing in your role and plus many other things that are happening at any given time. Comes a problem, you have a choice. You put it in the tray to be done later, to be done now, but it, whosoever's problem it is, they'll say, get it done now. And that's not new for you. But then now we have so many things changing and that could also change what the organization should focus on and what you should focus on. What happens to your rationalization and prioritization formula, which you learned and adopted and experienced and worked using that for so many years and everything has been thrown out and you have to learn, learn afresh and try to deal with it. What's your formula today to deal with problems? That, that's a great question. Um, it, I find it fascinating. We started out, so I'm just going to just use the university for an example. Um, we were marching along, doing business as normal, um, having students on campus, conducting classes. Um, our particular institution, we um, work with every local government and state government employee throughout the state of North Carolina. So we typically have our clients and students come to the building and the experience of being on campus is a, is a great one here in, in North Carolina and, and our students look forward to that opportunity. And all of a sudden, um, a pandemic hits. And so now we are having to shift and to rethink how do we get instruction out? We're having to uh, reprioritize how we engage um, not only with our clients, but also with our faculty who, you know, who pride themselves on bringing you into the classroom, controlling that environment and getting that information out. Um, so it was quite it was quite a unique shift that we had to assume. So one of the things that we really tried to 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 do was, first of all, is not not lose our cool and and also remember what we did well. And what we do well is get information out. We, we provide a valuable service to our community um, by making sure that we have really good knowledge and information that we can support our local government client group, our students, so that they can perform their jobs better. So we had to remember what we did well. And the other piece of this is so we're not able to come to the building now. So how do we take all of this amazing knowledge, all of these these assets that we have built over the years, how do we now put that into a, a medium or a platform by which we can still engage with our client group, that our faculty can still feel um, supported and, and feel like that they are able to, to be their genuine selves in the rooms. So um, like Tarek said earlier, it was really about having conversations with different groups of people, uh, ensuring that we had a platform that we could um, put out there that uh, individuals could could feel like they were still part of the UNC family, and and it was interesting because you know that didn't emerge as the top that that didn't emerge as the top 
choice. The top choice was still trying to figure out how do we do the things that do the things like we've always done them. And it finally hit in that we're not going to be able to do that. And once we finally made that critical choice to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to shift focuses, not necessarily in how we, um, we're still going to get good information out there. The focus is maybe the platform by which we deliver that. And so once we were able to sort of make that shift, we could then train faculty. We could then prepare our clients that we're going to be doing X, Y, and Z now versus you coming to the building. And I would say that for the first um, three months, it was it was it was really very stressful. But after we had a, um, a few faculty to go through that process, we felt like that they started to embrace it. They started to feel more comfortable with it. And then that allowed us to then be, be able to now start to really have a focus around how can we solve problems going forward. Um, this is not just a short-term lens that we're taking, but we're looking at um, this as a, a long-term sort of uh, deal. So I think it's really important to um, really identify the problem, understand what you do well, but then being able to uh, make that shift to where it's not just you solving the problem for right now, but that you're looking at it from a holistic perspective of what this means for our future. So, Tarek, when it was life as usual, we would get our hands slapped if we were reactionary and say, okay, whatever problem comes, then you figure out what to do or which problems to solve. Uh, you got to have some idea about your organizational focus and use that as a benchmark to rationalize and prioritize them. And now, if you try to go with what the business used to do in the past or pre-COVID, you would lose your shirt. So is it a chicken and egg story or is it the demands of the time that you keep your traditional ivory tower organizational focus on the side and be reactionary so that you take any problem, just evaluate based on the amount of damage it can cause you, the amount of risk it can create for you, and just go after it and let everyone who you taught to do it otherwise be retaught or they should unlearn and be retaught that just go after the biggest problem, which is going to cause us the biggest damage at this time. What would be your advice to anyone who's dealing with this? Well, you know, I, I agree with, with everything that Maurice just said. Uh, I certainly concur, you know, with, with a lot of that sentiment. I think one of the things that, you know, we have all experienced is if you rewind five months and, you know, you can slowly see, uh, across the globe, you know, this pandemic moving and, and moving in a direction where it's going to impact us. And, and that changed all of our priorities. Uh, we moved from a society that, you know, had a lot of flexibility, that had uh, a lot of, you know, various social, economic, and, and educational opportunities to one that uh, in many instances, and certainly in, in, in Minnesota, uh, resulted in a stay-at-home order where our lives fundamentally changed really, really drastically. And, and as such, quickly you have to pivot to meeting undefined demands and you have to anticipate. One of the things that our organization uh, really attempts to pride itself on is 
trying to really build a connected culture where we're connected with one another, where we're connected with the business organizations that we co-create with, where we're connected with the businesses, residents, Minnesotans that we serve. And there's a certain anticipation that goes along with that, that, that you have to be willing uh, to, to stake some bets to some things that may work out and that may not work out. And, and in our case, the anticipation of what you know this future would look like for a while allowed us to successfully navigate uh, that that transition. And in, in Minnesota, we have 1.2 million Minnesotans that work remotely every single day. A, a, approximately a fourth of our workforce in Minnesota works remotely every day. And and as you get used to kind of that construct and a new set of uh, priorities and a new set of hardships that many people face, uh, our you know world was was really shook by the uh, heinous murder of George Floyd and a realization that, you know, something that you did not or could not possibly imagine being pushed to the background, something as, you know, significant as COVID-19 was pushed to the background as there were, you know, much greater societal uh, things. And, and, and with that came another set of uh, priorities and another set of of challenges that that need to be solved, and I think in our role, uh, a couple of things happen that you know you really have to carefully assess uh, that that strategic vision. You know those those documents that we create, whether they're tactical plans or strategic plans that you know have our mission and vision and values and you know all those things that we carefully, you know, craft and then, and then share out when you have events like the murder of George Floyd and when you have events like a COVID-19 pandemic, the values that you espouse in those types of articles really should allow you to, to, to have a foundation that you can continue to pivot through. And if not, it's an opportunity to kind of reassess a little bit uh, because all of those values should not be out of the window as you're dealing with any of these you know, types of instances. And, and one of the things that I think is really, really important, and it's, it's just a shift for us, is the need to, to innovate, the need to build a culture where we're in this, you know, hyper productive mode, where we're in a hyper agile mode together, co-creating, you know, with our business partners, some things that we're not really sure how they're going to work, but society and the people that rely on us they don't have time for us to endlessly research, you know, how to do it uh, perfectly. We have to be willing to kind of fight through our imperfections. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is just, you know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and getting comfortable with, with, with taking risks. When you think about uh, the unprecedented, unprecedented number of people that are on unemployment insurance and the vast number of changes that need to be made to continue to deliver those critical services or emergency food uh, support to people, it, it really necessitates a culture where you know you're willing to drive fast towards understanding what the options are and and take some calculated risks. Uh, and I think. The innovation space as it relates to technology and just the, the, the ton of capabilities that exist in our space, there's never been a, a, a greater demand and there's never been a greater opportunity to really lean forward with opportunities where technology can not just support 
uh, a remote workforce or support a reaction, but uh, technology and innovative solutions can really be a catalyst for changing the trajectory and, 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 and changing the outcome. Uh, and then just to add, because I don't, I want to make sure I don't forget it. Uh, I, I did not realize that Maurice was uh, with the University of North Carolina, and I'm a, a lifelong Tar Heel fan, uh, so I just wanted to get that out there. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Maurice, when we come back, let's talk about this word problem. <laughs> it can be seen as a burden, or it can be seen as an opportunity. So if we were to do this right, what would it take to use this whole action and the planning and the effort we put into solving problems and build it as a form of capability or use it as a way to build capability of our people, whether in business or in technology? So we don't feel that we were just spinning our wheels, solving one problem after another, we are still building a castle. And every problem that we tackle and partially or fully solve is like laying a brick towards building that castle. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Maurice, problem can be seen as a burden. Or it can be an opportunity. It depends on the mindset, but also the kind of leadership that we demonstrate. And that's how everyone who works with us or follows us will perceive such problems. So that's one. What do we do about converting or shifting that mindset for it to be seen as a burden versus to and convert that into an opportunity? That's one. Then second is, how about we strategically, every time a problem comes, yes, we want to give the solution yesterday. But how can we take a step back and see if that set of problems that we use are kind of weaved into a form of a capability or a set of capabilities we develop along the way and also develop people along the way, no matter what crisis it is. And every problem helps us develop. But how about going, taking a little strategic route, even though we are scrambling, even though we are dealing with something unprecedented in today's times? What would be your recipe or approach to doing that? That's a great question. And, and first of all, I'd like to say, you know, we would like to think that we were able to sort of cherry pick our problems, um, that we were able to uh, pick those things that align really nicely with our personnel and our strategic goals and visions. But unfortunately, that is not the case. Uh, sometimes your problems pick you. And so when this particular um, set of situations that we all are dealing with, you know, now we have to really look at this problem from a perspective of 
how can we best uh, position our organization, not just for today, but for tomorrow. So I think, you know, really, after you get over the initial hit that we have a problem that has picked us and that we were not probably all that well prepared for, how do we now take a quick inventory of our you know, company assets, our organizational assets, look at um, the type of people that we have with on, on our teams, the type of skill sets that we're that are going to be needed going in the future, and how do we create strategic vision around those things? So one of the things that we tried to do, um, especially in, in the event of COVID-19, um, when we realized that we were going to have to, to move um, all of our courses to an online format, we realized very quickly that we were going to need um, not only those technical people who could handle supporting an infrastructure such as Zoom or uh, Cisco WebEx or whatever the flavor of the month is, but we also were going to need individuals who could help our faculty think about how they could create presentation and online content that would engage students. Uh, we had we have been talking about that for I don't know how long, um, ever since I've been at the school. And but yet we never really had the the pressing need to, to move in that space, even though we could see that that would be a strategic vision, that that's a strategic area that we should be moving into. But because we are we're comfortable and I like what Tarek said, you have to be uh, uh, have to be willing to embrace uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and I, I think, you know, now we're getting to the place where nothing is comfortable anymore. I mean, uh, you know, wearing a mask is not comfortable, but you have to do it. Um, having uh, to work from home is not comfortable, but you're finding ways to do it. And so w- what we're doing is, is versus succumbing to the problem, we're trying to find solutions and opportunities to catapult us, not only just for today, but for the years to come. So really quickly thinking about our mission and goal, that's to to make sure that we're improving the lives of North Carolinians through um, research and and teaching. So now we're, 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 that mission hasn't changed but we're adding components to help us get that mission further out to our groups. And some of the, the, the quick results are showing that our tier one counties, our rural counties are now able to participate because, you know, previously they, they probably didn't have the budget to come to campus, but now they could log in and, and take, take a part of our classes through an online format. I think the other piece of this is really understanding the skill sets that you have on your team and being able to develop them in different ways. Um, So we had a great group of of IT professionals who were very technical. Uh, We quickly saw that we needed to ramp up in certain other areas. So we brought in um, instructional designers. Um, We started to develop um, um, individuals that had user design experience and that has paid dividends for us. So, we're not only are we able to continue to meet our um, objectives, um, but we have used this set of problems to really create strategic initiatives for our school. And now we're, we're, we're beginning to create new goals that 
help us to um, eventually meet the v mission and vision of the school. So, you know, we're now we're developing people differently. Our, 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 our IT people are thinking differently about how they need to do their work. And um, our faculty are embracing the role that, you know, we can do things differently now and, and it will be received well. So I think, you know, long story short, making sure that you turn the problem into a strategic initiative is really important by aligning it to the goals of the organization, but then also making sure that you have a good uh, foundation of, of, of uh, personnel that can help you reach those goals. If you don't have the right people um, to do that, it's, you're going to really struggle in this area. So Tarek, based on Maurice's response, we can truly convert a strategic uh, or a, these set of problems into a strategic capability development exercise. Now, that's good. And I'm sure we are trying to do it. At the same time, let's look at that individual who signed up to join your IT department a year or so ago, or maybe more. <laughs> they didn't expect this thing to go out of control. And they did not think that I was supposed to be thinking like a leader. It's not that nobody wants to be a leader, but they have not grown themselves yet or they have not grown to that level yet. So, and you cannot alone, by the way, Tarek, can pull this off either. That means you need these leaders alongside you who may be part of your team, but they still behave and, and exude leadership. And you have not gotten the time yet to develop them into a fully cooked leader yet. What are you doing by getting them to get to a level where they can think like you or even better than you to get the ship sailing again? Well, I, I you know, certainly uh, think that they frequently, very frequently think better than me. Um, and, and I think, you know, just understanding the role that we play in supporting them and, you know, really growing that, that confidence uh, in, in building a, a culture that democratizes, you know, the voice of employees that really allows for people to weigh in to the magnitude of challenges that exist. One of the things that I think, you know, every organization has uh, is you, you have a certain percent you know, of your workforce that is really change agents, you know, that are really eager to, to, to tackle uh, tomorrow's problems today that may not think through the solutioning within the confines of, of past uh, uh, hurdles or past failures or, or past barriers. And I think identifying those folks and really creating a construct that allows people to opt into that solutioning is, is really, really important. Uh, like all organizations, we, we've had an unprecedented demand for uh, just really quick, rapid innovation related to how we provide services. And, 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 and that has necessitated us to reach out to, to people across organizational you know, silo boundaries to, to really tap into talents and, and, and energies and motivations that uh, we probably wouldn't have been aware of without, you know, these great moments of need. I, I think, you know, there's a, a, a saying, you know, in terms of, you know, moments of need sometimes, you know, create the, the biggest moments of opportunity. And, and we have certainly uh, seen that across our organization. And I think 
creating that, that construct that empowers people, that, that really allows people to, to have a voice at the table, that allows people to, to feel that they can take risks with uh, some of the suggestions and ideas that you know, really has kind of that, that uh, human-centered design approach where we prototype rapidly, test prototypes, that we look for MVP-type solutions uh, where we're providing value in a in a really really quick way, and I think the the pandemic, uh, as well as the you know larger societal you know challenges that we see with uh, and, and and just highlighted you know certainly not new but just you know the most recent uh, or sadly not even the most recent highlight anymore with with the mor- murder of George Floyd. We just have a lot of people that are that are interested in well beyond just the daily, you know, performance of their job. They're, they're uh, genuinely very eager to dive into how can I contribute to make this world a better place and, and, and creating that space where we're, you know, not looking to provide a technology solution for anything, but we're looking to provide a societal solution. We're looking to provide something that is really going to make someone's life different. Uh, when we, provide emergency food benefits or we provide testing solutions for, for teachers or we're looking into to challenges that uh, moving our, our students to an online learning uh, world where some don't have access to devices, some don't have access to the internet, uh, where disparities that have always existed have only grown larger. And, and you know, we keep our eye on the fact that this is only highlighting pre-existing disparities that already existed and and leaning into providing any of the solutions for this moment of need uh, actually will provide uh, an opportunity to hopefully shrink those uh, disparities that have already pre-existed um, going going forward and 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 I think our folks are just generally motivated by that mission by by that you know opportunity to to make someone's life a little bit different. I'm, I'm sure uh, Maurice at, at, at North Carolina with the vast number of challenges that, that students have and, and some are living uh, in, in rented housing, but there aren't classes online and there's financial pressures because maybe they don't have an opportunity to, to uh, have a side job the same way. And, and, and there's this digital online learning construct. You know, there's just so many unprecedented challenges facing our society uh, right now. And, and, and I think we just have a, a genuine uh, uh, group of people that are so eager to, to uh, help lean into that. The other thing that we have done that is really, really important is we we have broadened out that solutioning. We've really invited in, uh, I think, uh, at least for us, an, an unprecedented, we've seen an unprecedented partnership with the private sector. We've seen an unprecedented partnership with uh, just everyday Minnesotans in terms of how we can co-create uh, together. And, and, and I hope certainly that that's one of the constructs that live well uh, beyond this, this uh, current situation. Let's took, uh, take a quick break, listeners. Uh, when we come back, uh, Maurice, how about looking at the intentionality? Because every time we have a problem, I'm sure you're under the gun to do something about it. And naturally that the, the pressure uh, trickles down. And in that moment, we typically tend to forget that we had this grand idea about using problem-solving 
to drive organizational focus as the topic that we have picked today. What would you say, and we'll take a quick break when we come back and then let's talk about it, but what would you do, new, more, or different, to instill this intentionality so that every time you're not prodding people and this starts happening organically within your organization? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Maurice, intentionality. We have to be intentional about introducing intentionality about using problems to drive organizational focus. Looks pretty good, pretty cool as part of a talk show. But when you go on the ground, I have a fire to fight and multiple at the same time. What do you do to prevent that from that intentionality from fizzling out? And in fact, not just your job to keep prodding them, but it becomes part of the DNA of your organization that whenever something comes up, yes, we will try to jump on it to solve that problem, but we don't lose that approach that we're going to use this as an opportunity to drive organizational focus. Absolutely. So one of the things I think, um, and I'm sure Tarek Tarek can um, um, co-sign this, the last thing we want to do is be reactionary. Um, Basically, every time a problem comes up, we're reacting versus being uh, strategic and proactive in our approach to solving problems. So I think one of the key elements that we're trying to do, and we have really made some headway in this in this area, and I, and I heard uh, Tarek sort of kind of talk about this with his, with his team and what um, they're doing in Minnesota, but you really have to um, have your team see the value in the work that they're doing, not just to solve the problem, but beyond the problem that's, that you're trying to solve. Like, are we, are we solving a, a bigger issue? And what I have noticed, especially in these last few months, is that our team, they are seeing the benefit of the work that they do on a day-in, day-out basis. So that helps them to stay locked in, stay focused on solving this problem, not because it's solving the problem just for the problem's sake, but they actually see the benefit of of the university being able to do online instruction or remote instruction. They see the benefit in being able to engage with the client that's in the western part of the state that can never get to uh, the campus of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So they see they see their role in helping the school obtain that that ability and and or accomplish that mission and so that brings value to their work which then you know they 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 then become your 
eyes and ears to the ground. So they kind of hear problems as they're swelling up. And so now you can be uh, very proactive in your approaches to um, ensuring that you're not just reacting to the latest thing that's happening in your environment. And I think that is really important that because we're in such a high flux, um, a very unstable environment, to say the least, that you have the ability and the desire to um, ensure that you have team members that are willing to to understand that their work that they're doing is not just solving the problem, but it's actually um, helping with the mission and it's, it's creating better livelihoods for all North Carolinians and for all of those who are connected to our campus. I think that helps bring meaning and value uh, to their work while also um, instead of the, the, uh, the tail wagging the dog, you can be the one being proactive in solving these problems. I think that is really, really important. So, Tarek, whenever you may have a problem, I'm sure you got some prima donnas in the team. Hopefully not, but if they are, or there's some overzealous people. And they may say, oh, I want to raise my hands. I want to jump on this problem. I want to offer solutions. But then there may be many others who may be relatively quieter individuals, not passive, but quieter. They may have the right type of solutions. How do you identify that even though this problem is one of a kind, and even though nobody has the solution, you even out the contribution from people, because while one problem will go away, another will come, you don't stop developing people uniformly. You know, I, I think one of the things that is really important you know, for all organizations is just to have a broad diversity of perspectives and, and you can't have a broad diversity of perspectives unless you put value and importance on having diversity within your team and within your workforce and you create space to make sure that the variety of voices are heard you know there are certainly those that are a little bit more quiet and, and you may need to be a little bit more intentional about getting their thoughts and opinions and and uh, those thoughts and opinions are are incredibly important. So I think that that culture that I alluded to for us in Minnesota, we refer to that as our connected culture. And it, it has really been uh, one of the most important things for me over the past 14 months is, is just to continue to build that connected culture that respects each other's perspectives, that really values the, the input from uh, a diversity of, of different backgrounds and perspectives. The other piece that I think is incredibly important, though, is that we don't jump to solutioning right away, that when we are confronted you know, with an opportunity or what someone may uh, portray as a problem, that we immediately go to who are we going to impact and let's spend a little bit of time talking to the people that we're going to impact. You know, let's, let's go through the formality of uh, conducting empathy interviews. Let's really get uh, an understanding, you know, that, that traditional journey mapping process. Let's really understand what does it look like to, to go to school every day through the eyes of a student and, and then craft solutions that uh, are, are built and based on what we learn and, and, and the various themes that jump around, uh, about from that perspective. And then also invite those people into the ideation uh, process. You know, they're, 
there are so many complexities involved. And if we just jump to solutioning, you know, we'll craft something, you know, I think pretty, pretty uh, smart from a technology perspective, uh, probably pretty innovative. It'll, it'll, you know, be really neat, but it may not actually meet the needs of people that rely on, on that particular service. And so I think that piece is really important. The other thing that I think is really, really incredibly important in, in the last five months has really highlighted this is we traditionally have spent maybe a little bit too much time trying to make something perfect. Uh, so when we think about our solutioning, we spend a lot of time on on polishing and, and, and testing. And, and those things are incredibly, incredibly important. But I think what we've seen in this hyper agile space here in the last five months is that sometimes solutions in order for them to have efficacy and to be valuable, they don't have to be perfect. And our iteration and learning how to pivot those things actually outweighs waiting longer and getting something perfect. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so if I jump in too, I think it's really important um, when we're thinking about making sure that you hear all the voices. And I agree with Tarek. I think having diversity on your team is really important. And and so I have a a couple of what I call traditional um, IT professionals, you know, those individuals you might see in the basement with the hoodies, you know, the typical stereotypical IT professional. They are introverted by nature. And so leaving space uh, for those individuals to process, you know, what the problem is, process their solution set and giving them an opportunity to have their voice shared, maybe not in the large group, is really important um, to think about as you're trying to make sure that you're getting the best possible solution set. Absolutely. So uh, question for you, Maurice, again, when you are trying to solve any problem and IT literally has most of the time minimal or no budget. I mean, you may be luckier <laughs> than most. I'm so not. <laughs> the tendency is to try to solve a problem in the least expensive manner. And of course, since we are always under the gun, always have a spilling plate as quickly as possible. But that may always not be in the interest of the organization. Now, with the changing times and the changing priorities and everything has to be done yesterday, how do you deal with it? And while doing all of this, don't lose focus, the organizational focus that you're trying to develop as part of problem solving. A loaded question, but I think it deserves a response. It is a loaded question. <laughs> um, but, but I will say, uh, I think it's really important that as IT professionals and leaders that we do not make a decision solely based on uh, the expense. Um, many times we can, and I've, I've, I have witnessed where we cut cost um, and we just didn't get the solution that we needed. So what that ends up being is a sunk cost and um, and a lot of times, you know, um, they refer to this in decision making as a sunk cost trap because you don't want to let it go because you've invested some money into it. And so you continue to invest in something that's never going to bring you the value that is needed to um, solve the, the the institution's problem. So what we've tried to do is really be, um, once again, keeping the problem and the strategic vision at the forefront, we have tried to really make sure that we are getting solutions 
that are, you know, we're trying to be cost conscious, obviously, but at the same time, we want to make sure that the solution is going to bring the organization back the value that we put into it. So, you know, Zoom, for an example, it has definitely, we, we spent money to, to have Zoom for our campus, but at the same time, Zoom has uh, provided the resources that and has given us the ability to engage with our clients to offer classes that now that investment is is providing a return on it. So I think thinking holistically about what you're trying to do and what systems make the most sense over the long haul. You might not see it right away, but over the long haul is really important. I, I don't think you can short change yourself with, with these massive systems and then um, you end up spending as much money trying to modify it, customize it to, to for it to give you the true value that the organization needs from it. Could, could I just chime in on that as well? I, I totally agree with uh, what Maurice just said. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was just going to add, you know, one of the things that I think is really, really important and, and, and we've had a considerable amount of conversation related to, to this exact point is it, it's so important for us, uh, for technologists to be really, really bold. And, and I think, you know, when we come forth with uh, a, a opportunity where technology can, can make a difference and, and, and that carries with it a, a certain price tag, I think it's so important that, you know, we really advocate that we don't stop with, well, you know, it's a business decision whether to move forward or not, because, you know, we have to think through the eyes of the business as, you know, we are a part of that and and we are so invested in in those exact same outcomes. And so we have to, I think, exhibit that exact same passion when it comes to uh, the the opportunity costs. And I think kind of the the MVP approach where we're looking to return value and 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 really creating a minimally viable product before you know we go with uh the 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 biggest or the in state is is a, a really important factor in that as well one last question for both of you uh maybe less than a minute each um what would you fix in yourself as a leader I mean, yeah, we're trying to fix people. We're trying to fix environment. We want to figure out how to deal with business leaders, et cetera. But what would be that said one thing? Let's not make it long, but just one top thing. Maurice, you would fix in you so uh, that you're able to drive focus through problem yeah. solving. You know, I, I thought I was fixed already, but um, when you asked me this question, I realized that, you know, I think the 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 thing that I really need to keep in mind and, and helping me to be a better leader is, is the, the, the advocacy piece to, to talk to um, our, our stakeholders, our clients and ensuring, you know, that, you know, we are all talking from the same um, set of language um, that we all have the same vocabulary and that we're all talking and moving in the same direction. I think that is critically important. And sometimes, you know, trying to solve problems you may shortcut some of those things. And I think it's really important to spend that time, even if it delays uh, a process. I think it's really important to do that. Great. Tarek, 30 seconds. Well, I, I think, uh, I mean, there's 
a, a long list, uh, you know, of, of uh, things that I think, you know, I, I need to continually work on. I, I think two that, you know, continually come to mind is, is patience uh, and uh, just a never ending empathy for the anxiety that technology provokes in, in those that maybe not are not as uh, familiar. And I think just continuing to work on, on, on patience uh, related to, you know, what, what we can accomplish in a reasonable amount of time and, and just that tremendous amount of empathy that, that is needed uh, in this space, I think is really, really important. Once again, thank you, uh, Tarek and Maurice, for sharing your insights and thoughts about how IT leaders can use problem solving to drive organizational focus. Thank you so much for having us. Really enjoyed it. And thanks once again. So listeners, hope you enjoyed. I got some nuggets out of it. Hopefully we'll be, whenever we are solving problem, we will think organizational focus moving forward. So please connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Pinterest. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts and over 20 other destinations we are already on. And keep following us and giving us ideas on what we can do better. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog, all your talk show hosts. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>